When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is it time to get aggressive on risk assets? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Mark Ritchie, the second CIO of RTM Capital Advisors, who's going to walk us through this market breakout that we've seen. And we've asked Andreas to join us as well at the top to get some reaction to the rate decisions by the European Central Bank and the Bank of England. We've got a lot going on. Hi to both of you. Hi, Maggie. Happy Groundhog Day, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah. We forgot to add that to the list of things going on. I've been so busy, I haven't even paid attention. But, Mark, you're going to give us the technicals on. I found out there's not just Poxitani Phil, by the way. There's like a whole bunch of them. They all have their own sort of identities. So um, you'll give us the lowdown on that forecast as well. But before we, I talk to either of you, I just do want to put a programming note out there. Uh, at the top of the next hour, 5 o'clock, Raul is going to do an AMA right here on the YouTube channel. So you can... He has a lot to say about what's going on. So get those questions ready. Again, that's at the top of the hour, 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on the YouTube channel. So, Andreas, let's start with you. We had the Fed first this week. Now, rate hikes from the ECB, the BOE. They're still talking about inflation, but stocks are in rally mode. What's going on? <laughs> it almost felt like these three central banks coordinated the message this week. Uh, I have to admit that after watching all three press conferences. Um, first of all, yesterday, the Fed clearly opened the door for a pause rhetorically by saying that they now sort of monitor the extent of hike needed. And um, it was basically a copy paste from Bank of England today with an actual pause in the um, press release and in the communication from Andrew Bailey. And then the European Central Bank took stage and I was like, no, she cannot do that as well after she was so hawkish in December. And yet she did. She opened the door rhetorically for a pause. So I think this is uh, as about as green a light you can get from central banks to buy stocks with an arm and a leg. Yeah. So Andreas, if, if they... And I'm with you, I'm sure. I can never believe that these people are at the same place and they're not going to have, that's what the purpose of those those type of you know events are like Davos. But do you think that if they're saying that, having pivoted from insisting that they're so so you know hawkish that they're going to see inflation through to the end, although Powell's still mixing some of that rhetoric in, that leads me to believe, what do they know? What do they see that we don't? Wouldn't that mean that they are getting really concerned about perhaps how slow things will get or the lag effect of the policy they've put into place? Why would why would stocks, why would risk beyond risk assets be rallying in the face of that? 
Well, I guess you're right that they are concerned. The issue is that we don't have the data backing it up yet. Uh, rather the contrary, at least if we look at Europe and other countries with a, a clear link to the Chinese reopening, we have improving data right now. Mm. Um, and it, it's kind of a puzzle to me how the European Central Bank can conclude that things are worse than two months ago. They are obviously not. Uh, inflation is falling uh, on a monthly basis in, in many European countries. The economy is rebounding. The consumer is late Q4 last year. So it's kind of a puzzle to me how the European Central Bank ended up concluding that. The issue here is probably that the Federal Reserve has dictated this global trend uh, in central banks. Uh, I would assume that Jay Powell behind the scenes orchestrated this uh, message to global markets since he's scared of the US market. But um, I wouldn't uh, find it fair to assume that the European economy is losing steam right now, rather the contrary is the case. Yeah. And there are certainly, there we, we are seeing data slow down, but there are more and more people, it seems, who are willing to entertain the idea of a soft landing, even here in the US, you know, even though many said, listen, the Fed's track record on this is terrible. It's very difficult for them to to manage something like that. At the beginning of the year, we heard more people giving it at least entertaining the idea. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I guess we had a soft landing in 2019, actually, uh, after the Fed pivoted just ahead of New Year's in 2018. So it is possible. Uh, we also have a couple of soft landings to look back at in uh, the 1990s and prior to that. So it's not impossible. Uh, let's just uh, put it like that. And I guess the issue right now is that as long as the Fed communicates that they don't intend to hike interest rates more than maybe once or twice from here and inflation is veining, consumers are regaining purchasing power, etc. then the market is at least free to speculate in the soft landing. Um, all of the good old recession indicators are still flashing red, but it's just very tricky to find a trigger for that recession when everybody agrees on it already. Um, that is one of the things that I've highlighted over and over uh, through the course of January, when everybody agrees on a recession, everybody has planned for the recession already. Mm -hmm. So what is the trigger then? I don't really see it right now. That really echoes we had on uh, Francis who covers small caps for Royce, uh, Francis Gannon, and he said he's out in the field talking to management at small and mid-sized companies, and he said the same exact thing. They were braced; they've been braced for it so long. They've already planned for it. They've already put aside contingency plans. It's sort of in their minds as happens already. So that that is an interesting point, Andreas. So we see this rally going on. I mean, what a January this has been. Does that make it more complicated for the Federal Reserve and the central banks? I mean, aren't financial conditions working against them at this point? Well, yes, um, but Powell was basically offered the opportunity to strike back on loose financial conditions. And then he started rambling about uh, some other index of financial conditions than the one that we watch uh, from Goldman Sachs. Uh, so. He was offered the opportunity. He blew it completely if he wanted to take it. Uh, and unless the Federal Reserve 
becomes vocal in coming weeks, I would assume that they now deliberately blew it. Yeah, and it was delivered to him on a silver platter. So mm. I, it's not, you can't believe he blew it without, <laughs> you know, accidentally. No. I mean, if he wanted to respond to that, and he has in the past, he absolutely would have. So he he did maybe an awkward sidestep, but he definitely punted on that one. So Andreas, are, as you're looking at this, you know, what's the sense in terms of this this rally that we're seeing and it's uh, whether it has legs or not. Many people had been concerned to jump in in the beginning of the year because they've been so burned by bear market rallies. Mm. You had been caught by that. Uh, does this feel different? It does to a certain extent. Um, since we don't have the headwind from central banks relative to the bear market rallies we saw last year. Last year, every time equity started rallying, Powell took the wires and said, please don't take ex excess risk. Uh, he was very clear in his communication around that last year, but he wasn't yesterday. And I think that's a game changer, at least from a uh, semantic perspective. Uh, and obviously right now, uh, there is nothing in the way for a continued rally, at least until we get confirmation from the real economic data that the economy is actually deteriorating uh, and I am I'm still waiting um, and I wouldn't assume that we get any confirmation of a recession until the second half of the year. Wow. All right, Andrea. So, and I know you're tracking all of this really closely in Steno Signals, which we are, you're dropping weekly. So, we're going to pay close attention to that um, because you got your finger on the pulse of a lot of really interesting indicators, including some of the liquidity stuff that you've been looking at. So, we're going to track that. Andreas, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, Maggie. I, I see some good questions coming in. So, keep them coming and we'll get to them uh, for Mark as we move along in the discussion. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. So, Mark, we had Andreas sort of paint us a very uh, clear picture of some of the fundamentals that are driving this. From your perspective and the way you approach the markets, how does this feel to you? I'm going to ask you the same question, kind of picking up on the one we started the show with. Is it time to pile into risk assets? Does this feel different and real this time and not just a bear market trap? Uh, the short answer is yes and maybe in terms of, so yes, it feels different. Uh, I'll get into uh, exactly you know what I'm looking at and why. And in terms of, do we just go head over heels piling into risk, risk assets? That's sort of the maybe. Um, and you know, never in my process would I, I don't have an all in out, all out mentality ever. Uh, and you want to be tactical, uh, at least, you know, according to my philosophy, uh, but, you know, taking a look back. And if you remember Maggie, when we were talking all the way back in 21, as the year was going on, I was getting increasingly more cautious. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is it's an important note on process because it's sort of one of the things I see people often doing is they grab they cement a view and then they try and uh, grab, uh, you know, other data points and things like that to create a process really around their view. And mine couldn't be uh, more opposite. 
-hmm. meaning you run you run through the process and let that inform your uh, risk management and portfolio allocation decisions, regardless of your opinion and how you feel. Um, people may not like that, but that's how that's how I do it. Uh, how yeah. we do it, you know, here at RTM. And so I would start by saying, listen, what we talked about uh, in 21 was a a, mar a market that continued to lose strength within the herd. I've talked about this a number of times, but it, it's important because I think it was the last time you and I were on spoke mm -hmm. together. I said, listen, that. Uh, dynamic is starting to go the other way. We're starting to see potential bullish divergence. This was late last year where market is at the lows, but the percentage of stocks below their long-term averages is actually improving, which is saying that the larger universe is actually potentially healing, if you will, under the surface of the market. And then if you look at what topped last, the, because a lot of people even asked in 21, well, why isn't the market rolling over? Why isn't it rolling over if you're, you know, if, if you're so cautious? And by the end, um, myself, Mark Minervini, a number of uh, folks in sort of the same school were saying, listen, you've got so few stocks in the averages that are actually still in long-term uptrends that uh, this, uh, I don't think this can possibly survive without at least a larger correction. Mm. Uh, and now we're seeing the same reverse dynamic. Um, furthermore, uh, you know, our proprietary risk model on January 13th at Minervini Private Access flashed the first buy signal since November of 21. So, and that, you know, when people want to know, well, what do I look at? That's been one of the major guiding lights in terms of where is the larger wind in the market? And it was on a sell all last year. Well, why did it change? So let's go, let's go yeah, let's hood. talk about it. Yeah, pick, yeah, pick up that hood. hood to say, Wait, before what? you do that, I wanted I wanted to make two two quick points. Some great questions coming in. I'm going to try to bring them in as we're going. But I know when you're saying let, let you know get your framework really and let that guide your opinion. Don't decide ahead of time. I'm I, I'm really thinking about some of the earnings that are coming out. We've got big ones after the close today. We've seen a huge move in ARC today. And we know how, you know, so we know people feel very strongly about um, mega cap tech, whether, or, or Kathy's funds. So, you know, if you come to it with a preconceived notion, I know that's what you're talking about. You open your mind and let some of the data points guide you. And then I just want to uh, squeeze in a quick question from Doug Morley. Um, hi, Mark. Are you trading in these volatile markets or sitting on the sideline? It sounds like what you're telling us, you're trading these markets. Uh, I am longer than I've been in probably over a year. Uh, now, that wow. uh, that may change uh, in either direction, meaning I may get a lot longer in coming weeks and I may uh, raise a lot more cash if I don't like uh, the price action. And this is precisely uh, how I've I've always done it, uh, meaning, so back to the prior point, stick to the process. And I didn't finish up the point saying, you know, in, in the end of 21, what finally, the reason uh, the percentage of, of participation was continuing to deteriorate was it was the mega caps that were holding, yep. holding, you know, their heads above water while everything else was drowning. Uh, and unless you were looking under the surface, you didn't see that. When they rolled over, that's when the indexes finally really cracked. And if you saw at the end of last year, it was the opposite dynamic. The mega cap tech names that were so big, the Teslas, Apples, Amazons were trading really poorly, making, in some cases, new 52-week lows, while the rest of the stocks in the averages were not. And I'm saying that was a potential tell. So now, uh, remind me what the, the question yeah, was. Yeah, so am now I, we're- am, so I, we, am I getting we, involved? Yeah. 
And you said, yes, you've been longer yes. than you have been, but, but importantly pointed out that your time horizon is always on the shorter side. You're very tactical in your well, approach. This so is just where, take that. Yeah. My philosophy right? is more trade to invest. You know, people ask me all the time, Am, yeah. are you an investor or a trader? I go, well, both, but look, I, I want to finance my investments with gains up front. Why do I want to buy something? Then have it go painfully against me and go, let's buy more. Uh, that's, a, that's illogical to me. I'm not, Listen, I, I understand different strokes for different folks and giving people uh, a little bit, you know, insight in terms of how I do things. But so the real question is, why, what has changed? And I'm saying, so getting into that larger buy signal, we had a uh, major breath thrust signal on January 13th on the close. Uh, I tweeted about this. A number of people did, but I was a little bit surprised at why everybody said this is this time is different. Uh, which they always say when these signals happen. That signal was when you get a 10-day, uh, uh, better than two to one advance, advancing uh, issues versus declining on a 10-day average. Historically, this is a rare signal. The last time it happened, uh, June of 2020. Anybody can study that, but I, the, the chart I posted has all the historical dates, uh, has a very good historical track record out six to 12 months. Uh, the reason for that, though, is that is measuring it's almost like RPMs. And the analogy I've given before is if I, you and I are riding in the car and I stomp on the accelerator till it redlines and then I take my foot off the gas, our momentum is still going to carry us much further down the road. Uh, and even if I put on the brake, I'm going to put on the brake violently um, after that much acceleration to slow us down. And that's precisely what we've seen following that signal on the 13th. If you remember, Maggie, the last time we spoke, I said, Historically, the 200-day declining moving average keeps the lid on all bear market rallies. And if you study this from last year, say the Dow did it first, but you know where the major risk areas of the market, specifically Russell and S&P, uh, over the last two weeks have convincingly broken above their 200s. This is a major character change. Uh, I think we have we might have a chart of the Russell. I'm not sure. That is that, and and that's important. Why, Mark? The Russell, as I've said before, is a primary indicator for risk appetite. Uh, this is precisely why the Dow has just consolidated. And I think this is a net positive as well, because if the Dow had sold off while the Russell had rallied, you would basically say, well, I don't know that there's a whole lot of net flows going in the market. People are just going out the risk curve. The Dow has gone sideways while managers are going out the risk curve. NASDAQ and Russell are leading this advance right now. And if you look, furthermore, uh, the Russell and, and NASDAQ have not had more than two days pullback for the entire beginning of this year. That's what I would call a lockout rally, where the market takes off. And if you're not willing to be aggressive and buy, you're locked out, meaning it has left you in the dust. Now, I can talk about what I would be looking for sort of going forward and how I would think about exposure. And I want to be clear. I'm not just saying go limit long stocks. I am not uh, levered long at this point. I'm responsibly long and looking to get longer should things you know, play out and vice and conversely. You know, if we start to see the same things that uh, we had during the entirety of 22, where distribution, that's heavy volume selling uh, and markets pulling back uh, on increases of volume, taking uh, you know, out some of these uh, areas of support, I'm gonna be you know, waving the caution flag just as fast. However, like I said before, given a number of these technicals, I think 
you give you give these signals the benefit of the doubt and you start testing the waters so we can mm -hmm. go from there wherever you'd like to. Yeah, I like that. Let's get a couple questions in because I think they're good ones at this juncture of the conversation. Robert asking, has Meta's jump distorted today's performance? Well, I think in the overall averages, yes, but it's sort of, and let me be clear on mega cap tech. I, I don't think, and I've, I've said this before and I'll say it uh, repeatedly, you don't want to be looking at the most beaten down names from the last bull market as where to reallocate your capital. You want to look for new leadership, new ideas. Uh, I can get into the areas I'm looking at, but yeah. you know, Meta is a name that is you know, a, a broken leader in my opinion. However, it is interesting that clearly uh, everybody who was thinking Q1 earnings are going to be a disaster, uh, that was already priced into the market. Uh, or at least at this point, they're not as bad as many of the analysts had potentially anticipated. So the point, and Andreas made a really uh, good point, I thought, saying that this has been a wildly telegraphed potential recession. Yeah. So if that's the case and the recession is mild, is it possible it's already priced in? Um, it's it's very potentially possible. I mean, everybody, everybody last year in Q4 is basically just, there wasn't anybody you could throw a dart out the window and hit you know a, a yeah. bum on the street saying, "Hey, we're gonna have a recession in twenty, you know, middle to late twenty three. So, to his point, though, is it possible that businesses have already prepared for this? Yeah, certainly possible. And the market yeah. may be telling you that. And 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 what have they prepared for? That's the other question. Have they prepared for a mild recession, a short one? Have they? Well, you know, this is this is where this is, is the unknown. Right. And if the crowd is always wrong, uh, then either we're or the market likes to fool the majority, as uh, I think Paul Tudor Jones famously said years ago. If that's the case in this case, then either we're going to have a really nasty recession uh, or or one that is so mild uh, that it's already priced in. Yeah. So either of those, again, you have to keep you just keep an open mind. You have to be open minded when you dig in with an opinion. This was the same thing. You know, in 2020, nobody wanted to buy the market uh, after after the big break in COVID. And there was signal after signal, technically speaking, saying the market's telling a different story. By the time the economy reopened in mid-21, the market was not a buy anymore. Yeah. You missed the whole move. I think it's and recency bias, right? Exactly, You're sort of, exactly. yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, which is why psychology matters. Uh, I, I want to slip a clip in because we're getting some great questions and I want to get to as many as possible, but I just want to round this out because if we see equities rallying, if risk is back on, you know, what's the flip side or the other camp, which in my mind, talking to a lot of people was energy, what were commodities, we're healthcare. We have a question on that. I spoke to Rick Roll as part of our Looking for the Upside series. Uh, that that interview's out on the platform, and he is very bullish gold. He thinks that that's one of his top picks. Now he is a traditionally, you know, his background is in commodities, but he's very bullish on gold. Let's have a li little listen to why he is, and then we'll talk on the other side. The weaponization of the dollar and the impact of negative real interest rates on U.S. government savings products, I suspect will lead to a global lessening of the market share of U.S. Treasury securities among foreign holders, both as a store of value and as a system of exchange. I am not one of these, Maggie, who believes that some new mythical fiat currency or some cryptocurrency will dethrone the U.S. dollar. That isn't what I'm suggesting. I suggest that the U.S. dollar will be 
the primary medium of exchange in the world for at least 20 more years. But I think its market share will decline. And I think one consequence of that is that the market share of gold in international transactions will increase. So, Mark, uh, by the way, as I mentioned, that full interview is available on our website. You can hit a link. Hopefully, there's one in the chat or the QR code to find out how you can join so you can see uh, both that and Andreas's Deno Signals and all the other offerings we have. Uh, so, Mark, what, how, do, how are you thinking about commodities based on, the, on what we're seeing right now and the fact that this does look different and the indicators are encouraging? How, do, how does the commodity story fit in? Uh, great question. I'm not a commodity specialist in that sense, but there are markets I still track. And the interesting thing, so I'll, I'll make a quick comment on gold and oil. And the way I would frame them is to say that gold right now, actually, the price section reminds me a little bit of the way oil acted at the beginning of last year, mm. where if you look at the price action to start last year, say in the XLE, it was just clear the managers came in underweight and wanted more exposure. Uh, where gold has sort of started the year of uh, trading that way. It didn't have a good day today. Um, I would not be chasing gold here. Uh, I am bullish, not necessarily for the same reasons that Rick is. Energy uh, looks like it is potentially selling off. I'm interested. I'm not long. Um, really, I had one energy name, I think, and I got stopped on that today, actually. So mm -hmm. I, I think that this may be part of a rotation trade, um, but part of my larger bullish thesis would potentially be for really broadening out in the rally, that even this pullback in energy should not sell off enormously, where you know maybe the oil and gas names potentially take a rest, other names come up, and then again, the rally broadens and lifts all boats Interesting. higher. Interesting. Gold, gold, I will say this, and you know my general rule is when listening to someone like Rick Rule, who's been uh, a specialist in an area for longer than I think I've been alive, is you close your mouth and listen. Uh, as I often like to tell my kids, you know, it's pretty tough to listen with your mouth. So, uh, and I think he makes some good points. I listened to that interview uh, while I was doing some of my uh, homework yesterday. And, but the one point he, he made was the idea that he's expecting, I think, potentially to see some flows into gold. That makes sense for me even from some of the conversations, and he was talking about out of out of sort of treasuries and some of these other considered more stable assets. That makes a lot of sense to me just from a logical standpoint in terms of the pain we saw in the 60-40 trade from last mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Maybe managers go, look, why don't we go, I don't know, 59-41, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and kick a little money towards precious metals. Uh, and in some cases, you know, maybe it's a lot more than that. Um, right now, I would say gold's in a little bit, uh, technically, I'm, I'm interested to see how, it looks like it wants to consolidate. Yeah. Had a really nice run to start the year. And my rule in watching any trend, to, to my point before about a lockout rally, mm -hmm. when a market, the best thing a market can do is stay overbought. It tells you there's still an appetite for that. And then generally those first pullbacks consolidations tend to be shallower. So if gold just comes crashing back down, to me, it would either tell me that it's going to have to put in a larger base uh, or it may not be as strong as we think in terms of the flows. And again, flows are what ultimately drives all these markets. So if institutions are showing up and starting to allocate more capital towards gold, yeah, I think these calls for higher gold prices are all accurate. The one thing I will say that I don't like about gold 
is it does seem like there are a number of people calling for this that again that yeah again when everyone's saying the same thing I, but right but are they doing the same thing so yes. saying the same thing listen there, there's no shortage of newsletter writers that have caught every turn in the history of the bull markets and made no money yeah uh, because <laughs> they're, they're, you know you, yeah. if you pay somebody to write a newsletter they're going to claim they nailed everything without yeah. ever actually trading it so the real question is are there flows coming into the market because you're not going to be able to to stop when the big boys show up to buy prices have to move higher and when they yeah. show up to sell it's the same thing so that's a market i'd be watching and then particularly for me i want to see how do the precious metal stocks trade right yeah. now it's it's not uh, screaming that strong but the metal to start the year uh, looks very constructive we're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners we'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. That, those are great points. And that that allocation, that reallocation was what jumped out at me um, and is in the takeaway we did. By the way, James did a very exhaustive on the end of that um, deep dive into if you're interested, how you trade that, some of the actionable things you can look at or think about if you want to do that. So recommend checking that out. Um, the, 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 what you just talked about, I think was very interesting when you're talking about consolidation. Lena asking around mm -hmm. the market bottom, would your indicators fluctuate for a period of time before you have conviction that a bull market is here to stay? So the dynamics of the turn, that's a great question, Lena. Yeah, so it's a really good question. Just to be clear, I'm not a get the top tick or the bottom tick guy. I'm the guy saying, let's play between the 20s because uh, that's where I think the bulk of the money's made. There's nothing wrong, by the way, if your style's to trade turns and uh, and you've had success doing that, God bless you. Uh, and But that's, that's not how I do it. So by definition, I want to see how things come off the low. And what I'm saying is the... Again, the RPMs and firepower that we've seen this particular rally uh, in equities uh, is far more convincing than what we saw anything last year. And further, this is what most important point I would make is what do we do from here? Uh, or what should you look for from here? Yeah, let's, let's talk about that because we're almost out of time. What, what should we look for? Well, for me, the, the, the bullish scenario is, is, is twofold. The, the biggest thing that's been lacking is stocks that are trading near 52-week highs or in consolidations, breaking out and then following through from those breakouts. This week is the first week I've seen sort of a character uh, change in terms of that dynamic. So what I would tell people to do, even if you own nothing, I would say don't just go wildly chasing something that's extended because uh, one of two things is going to happen if I'm correct. The market is going to stay overbought in the near term and you look for then stocks that are coming out of consolidations where prices have been moving sideways. And then again, if I'm looking for this rally to broaden out, breakouts should continue to work and it will allow you places where you can use good risk management. Uh, and then the other scenario would be eventually this market is going to consolidate and that consolidation. So you, you selectively pick some names, like I said, individual names or areas where you think you have good opportunity you know, to grab a hold of future growth at a reasonable price, whatever, whatever your metric is there. But what I mean by risk management is mean where you don't have to just say, I'll put my stop at the lows last June. 
uh, and hope for the best. Um, I think you can do a little bit better because if this rally is really broadening out and going to last even to these breath uh, thrusts from the 10-day the breath thrust, if you study this, even the cyclical bull markets in the 70s, most of them started with a signal like this and they lasted six to 12 months and were definitely worth trading or investing for parts of those. Again, risk management being prudent. The other scenario though is if we get a, a bigger consolidation, does the rally broaden out and do we start to see lots of, of consolidations, different groups, and things starting to continue to break out under the surface while the market marks time. That's the biggest thing. People, too many people take their cues from the index in terms of what stock should I buy. Mm. Uh, and so I'm saying you look at both, uh, but ultimately it's a market of stocks. So if the individual stocks continue to break out of consolidations and follow through on those breakouts, which has been exactly the opposite. All of last year, if you bought anything near the new 52-week high list, it was dead money going away. Mm. Uh, and talk to any manager who was even close to my style, and they'll agree with you. And I'm saying we're seeing a change in that dynamic. That, that dynamic should not only continue, it should potentially accelerate if I'm correct. Wow. So uh, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to have a bullish conversation, Mark. And that's my takeaway that you are really feeling like a lot of things are lining up and giving you good signals, uh, that this does feel different. It does have the potential to have, have some legs to it. Uh, especially when you're watching the Russ Russell, you're going to be looking at net flows. Um, I love that lockout rally. I'm going to remember that one. Um, and so keep an eye on all the indicators you just mentioned, but it sounds like we're, we're in for a run here. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing I was going to point out is, listen, pullbacks should be shallower and on lower volume, meaning normally pullbacks in early parts of an advance are mid-single digits, say, in the indexes. And just look at your own portfolio. If everything just starts com coming crashing back down, volatility should also stay lower. The VIX has sort of broken lower. That is a healthy bull market advance signal. If you study you know, sort of the VIX is a contrarian indicator. When it's north of 25, generally it is tough sledding for equities. It's hard for the equity markets to trend in any meaningful way. Um, so those are those are two big things to be to be looking for. And uh, it's we're, we're gonna we're gonna get a good test of this because Amazon and Apple both out, both trading lower uh, in after hours trade. Apple missing on revenues. A lot of that may have been telegraphed. We're gonna have to listen to the conference calls on both of those. But again. Um, as the final thought, you're also your point about look for new leadership. The leadership that worked before isn't going to necessarily work. So we all have some homework to do because you yeah. get the sense that people are still looking at those big mega cap. Well, that's a really good point, Maggie. If tomorrow uh, everything gets slammed, uh, I haven't even looked at the tape yet to see you know what the numbers are and how bad those names are trading. But let's say let's say tomorrow we consolidate, but the money rotates away from a mega cap back to some of these other areas. That's potentially bullish. To your point, though, if we just go risk off, uh, you know, th that's going to be, uh, you know, batting down the hatches again. Uh, volatility rises, you know, as distribution yeah. starts to hit the tape again. Yeah, it'll tell us what we need to know. Mark, such a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much. I know we didn't get a chance uh, to get to all the questions, but just roll them right up at five uh, when Raul's doing his AMA. I've got questions. I want to 
put them in there, but I don't think I'm allowed. Uh, but he's, I, I know it's going to be really, really fun. He's going to have a lot to say. So go ahead and just join us at the top of the hour and post your questions and hopefully he'll get to them. But thank you all for joining us today. It was a great conversation. It's going to be a fun end to the week. We've got jobs tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, monthly jobs report uh, and um, another extended Friday RVDB. So get your questions ready. We're going to dig into it. I uh, hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.